One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/achieve today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. You're listening to Popcorn Podcast with Lee and Tim, and this week we're going to talk action movie Bloodshot, starring Vin Diesel, plus all the latest movie news. Let's get into it. Let's go. All right, Lee, so this week's film that we watched was Bloodshot. Indeed. So this is uh, based on a popular Valiant comic. I don't know about you, but I didn't realise going into this film that it was based on a comic series. I did realise it. It's an incredibly popular character. Ray Garrison, played by Vin Diesel, is an elite soldier who's killed in action and then brought back to life as an assassin for a shady defence corporation led by a manipulative Dr Harting, played by Guy Pearce. Aussie representation. that He... He plays those roles quite a lot. It kind of reminded me of his role in Iron Man 3, Mm -hmm. where he was the villain in that Mm -hmm. uh, up against Iron Man. And I thought he was very good in that one. And and I think this one was a bit more basic villain 101 sort of writing and positioning. I don't know how you felt. But for me going into this movie, it was one of those trailers, in my opinion, where it just showed too much. And so when you got to the moments in the film narratively, Mm. I was kind of like, oh, yeah, I saw that in the trailer and I kind of already know why we're here and what's going on. So I find that a bit distracting and a bit annoying when watching a film. Mm -hmm. Like, how do you feel about trailers that reveal too much before you've actually seen the film and you kind of feel a bit underwhelmed or like a bit ripped off? Yeah, it has the opposite effect of creating hype. It just kind of makes you... Not interested. Well, I I know what they're trying to do. They're trying to throw all the good bits at you. It's kind of like a comedy where all the good jokes are in the trailer. Mm. And so for me, when you've got a sci-fi action film, if you show all the incredible action set pieces in, in in the film and kind of reveal key plot twists and points about the character realizing things about his environment and situation which is a very big component of this movie Mm. i feel like you're kind of going into the movie going all right well i'm just watching the extended trailer at the moment right but anyway 
I see what you're saying, but people connect with this character quite a lot. And I think it's because he's grounded in reality. So he's a soldier struggling with who he is and motivated by a really strong moral compass, but being manipulated by an evil corporation. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty run-of-the-mill, straightforward, but I don't think Mm -hmm. that's necessarily a bad thing. I think that what this film struggles in is executing that standard like story and, mm. a, and, a, and a man out for redemption and then finding the truth and all the rest of it. Like we see it in all shapes and forms in other mm. films. D- what else did you feel about like the story and its structure and, and, and all that stuff? The foundation was there for a really good story. So the, it's written by the screenplay is written by Jeff Wadlow and Eric Heisserer. And one of them wrote movies like Fantasy Island and Kick-Ass 2 and the other Arrival and Bird Box. So you've got some good pedigree there behind the story. But they didn't develop it enough, I think. Mm. The foundation was there for a really good narrative, but it just wasn't developed enough. Yeah, it had... What did you say before we started recording? Like it had the potential? It had the potential, but was a bit of a fail in terms of story, I think. Yeah, yeah. I'm with you there. The motivations just weren't clear for a lot of the characters. Mm -hmm. They weren't developed enough. So the big shift in the movie, the real pivotal moment where he discovers what's going on, was just a big pile of exposition. Yes, it was. And it's kind of that style of exposition that leaves you not cringing, but kind of like, oh gosh, like, can you think of another way of exploring these plot points and revealing it maybe more visually rather Mm. than literally talking heads and and all the rest of it, yeah. But there was also quite big leaps of logic there. Oh, God, yeah. So I found myself going, how did he put that together? Oh, my God. That's exactly what I felt. Really? I was like, how does he know? How does he know he's got this ability? He's kind of just, he's accepted his situation so, like, a light bulb moment, Mm. and he's off doing these fantastical things with his body that us as an audience are meant to believe that he's still learning that. Mm. But he's like tapping into all these capabilities that these micro, Mm. you know, animals or whatever they're called, repair him Mm. and and give him this extra human strength and ability, cognitive ability and stuff. Yeah, it was a bit kind of like, all right, I'm so okay to suspend belief. I mean, the story itself is, it's a sci-fi, so Mm. it's not real. But yeah, I think jumps of logic definitely were hard pill to swallow for me. But the very core of this story is about a character who's going on a journey and struggling with who he is and mm. what's happened to him. And you just didn't see that struggle anywhere. Yeah. It was like he went to visit his wife. Oh, okay, we're not together anymore. Bye. Yeah. I always find those moments fail when they're written in such a way that you use more words. Mm. Like I just didn't believe the interaction between the two characters was authentic and real. And he, it was taken an inch and he ran a mile. And it's like, hold on a minute, lean into this a bit more. We're meant to believe that you thought you were still married to this woman. Yeah. And, you know, the film opened with them being, you know, really close and, and having a great time on the Italian and Malfi Coast and all this stuff. And then, yeah, it's kind of then it was just cast aside. But his whole motivation throughout this whole movie is to avenge her death. So yes. you're supposed to believe that this is this driving force in him. And then when he's confronted with the fact that they're not together anymore, he's just immediately accepting and off he goes. Yeah. I think that also the collateral damage of his violence. Can we talk about that? Because mm-hmm. he seemed to just get away with stuff. They all just seemed to get away with it. And you didn't really, you weren't exposed to the consequences of that violence and that destruction and then him just being able to just drive up to a 
abandoned, you know, airport landing strip and then they're all flying away. They're scooping him up and bringing him back to the lab. Mm. It just, yeah, it was just a bit too uh, convenient. Can we talk about what was good about the movie, though? Sure. And that's CGI and action sequences. This is a really good, solid action film. Mm. I really lent into and loved the aesthetic that it established right up front. It was, you know, really green hues. They really saturated the certain colours to set a a tone and a mood. Mm. And you really felt like you were one part in a video game, one part in a sci-fi, and then one part in a familiar sort of reality as well. And I I think they really, the director and the creative team used colour really well in this film. It's interesting that you mention uh, video games because it's directed by Dave Wilson. And this is his first feature film, but he has a huge background in visual effects and video game trailers. Mm. So that's exactly his knowledge and expertise. Yeah. And it really shone through, I think. Yeah. That elevator shaft sequence, which Mm -hmm. we got a taste for in the trailer, I think was just beautifully storyboarded. I don't know. I was just really blown away Mm. with the attention and the, I felt like there was a lot of love in that because they were really doing some cool stuff. Yeah. Uh, At times it was a bit all over the place, but I mean, that can be forgiven, but all in all, in terms of a sequence pieced together and you being able to follow that. I think they married the in-camera effects and the CGI really well, and they tried to get a lot of the... You could see the actors' faces. They weren't Mm. always CGI faces or body doubles, Mm. like, in that sense, digital body doubles. Talking about that scene in particular, that's where Vin Diesel's character is fighting Sam Hewen's character. Sam is an actor on Outlander, so he normally plays this romantic hero kind of character, and I was really excited to see him play a bad guy. Mm. And again... His motivations were just really disappointing. It it seemed like his whole motivation was just that he didn't like Vin Diesel's character. Exactly. It was quite weak. It was quite weak. And he came across as quite annoying because, again, it was like, can we just talk this out? (laughs) It was just a bit, yeah, the, the notch of angst was turned up a bit high. There wasn't the menace to back it up. No, it's kind of because you should be able to believe a character's motivations and why they're so angry or why they're leaning a certain Mm. direction that's negative towards a character it shouldn't be you shouldn't roll your eyes about the just choices that a character makes Mm. in that sense you should be able to kind of at least understand or figure out why he's come to that position to feel that way about the character but yeah i don't think you got that between with their relationship while we're talking about that character his prosthetic was that his legs had been blown off in the line of duty Mm. and he had prosthetic legs, but he also had this prosthetic arm things going on. And the visual effects were just such high quality, but I really felt the prop design felt low budget. Okay, yeah. I mean, the budget for this film was about $45 million, so very ambitious film to make on what is arguably a very tight Mm. uh, bag of cash when you're trying to realise a sci-fi epic like this. I think that when it comes to the prosthetics and the scientific aspects of the film, they wanted to ground it in reality as much as possible, which I Mm. guess then makes sense because, you know, robotics and things have only come so far. Mm. I mean, we've made leaps and bounds in recent years, but they have only come so far. And I wonder if that reality, that wanting to stick close to reality as much as possible maybe was to the film's detriment. Like maybe we needed a bit more of that disbelief and that fantastical futuristic nature Mm. just to make it, take it to that next level. Yeah, I agree. I think they weren't, there was kind of things that were way up here in the unbelievable sense. But then as you pointed out, stuff that they tried to ground in reality and there was a disparity between the two that kind of made it feel a bit 
is this in the same world? Uh, is this mm. in the same world as each other? And it didn't just gel together. I, can I talk about more about the positives? Obviously, mm. we've we've talked about the the CGI, which was quite impressive at times. Yeah, and there was great attention to realizing some pretty epic shots and set pieces. I did just find though, especially that one of the first big action sequences in the tunnel with all the flower. I think that just went on for just Mm. way too long. And I did actually get a little bit confused and lost in like where the characters were, how many of them were left, what the next steps were. Like I'm kind of, he's already fucked them all up. Like it's, how's this still going? Like I just (laughs) felt like a bit long. They lingered a lot on the visual effects and the CGI of Mm. his character and his body healing itself. And for the first couple of times, that's very impressive. Mm -hmm. But after a while you start to think, yeah, okay. (laughs) We get it. Yeah. I mean, they were trying to reveal new things that they could do. And I guess no matter how badly he was injured or thrown or literally blown up or whatever. Yeah, he blew himself up. Yeah, you kind of, <laughs> I agree, I agree. They lingered. That's probably the best term to use there. You wanted to talk about Guy Pierce as the villain. Yeah, I kind of touched on it earlier. I think uh, it mirrored his yeah, role in Iron Man 3 as the villain in that one. Mm. And I feel like Guy is a phenomenal actor. Absolutely. He commands that screen. He lifts bad dialogue, which existed in this film a lot, and kind of gives it mm. more like power and and desertion behind it. And you know, I just think of that mo- that moment. This is a classic in badly written action movies where it goes, "There's nothing on the screen." But there's nothing on the screen. He just said it like three or four times. I'm like, "Yeah, we get it, mate. There's nothing on the screen." He's working <laughs> on it, and I just thought if there was any other actor there, it would have just been even more hammy mm. somehow he kind of pulled off there's nothing on the screen like four times yeah. so i was quite impressed you know, guy pierce definitely turned in a really solid performance with what he had but again it comes back to those motivations i had no clue what his motivation was i mean you could yeah. you could kind of piece together that maybe the people he was having killed worked with him previously but you never understood why he wanted them dead yeah and i think this is my thoughts on it will we learn those motivations and and that kind of backstory in a proposed sequel. You know, they hold on to information to give you that hook. I feel, which I think is a bad decision that writers make. Mm. You need to, you need to work hard for the audience to hook them into this story and this franchise. If you want to go down that way, you need to give them that detail. You can plant seeds that you can then explore later, but I think they left so many stones unturned here that you left and you ended up just scratching your head and not understanding characters' motivations, like you said, I think mm. that's a an issue. I agree. I completely agree. <laughs> <laughs> no, you you said it very succinctly. Um, so, how many popcorn kernels would you give Bloodshot? Look, look, it was neither good or bad. I appreciated the ac- action and the CGI, and I think you're leaning into your earlier point about it having a lot of potential. So, I'm just going to come down the middle and give it two and a half. What about you? I'm actually going to agree with you because the concept was there and there was fantastic action and really great visual effects. That was obviously the director's strength, but it just wasn't developed enough for me. So two and a half. Mm -hmm. There we go. On the same page this week. So that's Bloodshot. So you can watch that digitally. You can rent that now. So we had some big news this week. The 93rd Annual Academy Awards has been postponed until April 25th, 2021. Now, I know you're devastated about this, Tim. I am also. Uh, But it extends the eligibility period for a lot of categories. Yeah. Look, uh, to be honest, I I jump on IMDb every morning when I wake up. It's probably the first thing I do every morning. (laughs) I did get it, you know, my stomach drop and I thought, 
please don't be cancelled. Let me just, I don't want to just be sold in by the headline, which is always dangerous these days. I'm actually relieved. I am devastated because we have to wait, you mm-hmm. know, two months, two months longer. But I think it's good that there's a few things they're doing in there. Obviously, understanding the state of the world and distributors not being able to release their films, the cinemas are closed, films are delayed. So those that you would probably have seen towards the back half of 2020, they can slot themselves into a January, February release schedule Mm -hmm. if they can, you know, uh, squeeze in there and they will be rightfully eligible for consideration across the Academy categories. And there is quite a backlog of films coming in this second half of the year. They're Mm. all clamouring to get in. Massively. And I think there'd be a lot of those big tempo films that would be up for, you know, the sound, visual, production design, costume design categories, and they will all be missing from next year's Oscars because a lot of them are being pushed out a Mm. year or more. But, I mean, that's just the, the, the ripples effect of this are going to be felt for years. Yeah. And this is just one of them. It's an interesting casting choice that's come up this week. Uh, there's going to be a biopic about Princess Diana, specifically centred around her decision to divorce Prince Charles. Mm. And Kristen Stewart is in talks to play her. Very interesting. Look, I really like Kristen Stewart. Mm. Despite my feelings on Charlie's Angels, she was definitely the standout in that film, the recent remake reboot, and she was fantastic in Underwater. She's grown as an actress a lot in the last few years. I guess there's a lot of pressure in when actors decide to do biopics, right? When you you are mimicking Mm. having to be and exist as someone who has such a public profile, there's arguably not many people with such a well-known public profile as Princess Diana. And so it's, yeah, there's a lot of, there'd be a lot of pressure on her. And I hope that she brings something to the table that can be appreciated. I I just don't know why we need to see, hear this story, but anyway. I think she probably will bring something really good to the table, but I am stuck on the fact that I don't understand why they picked out an American actress. Mm. Well, Naomi Watts played... Princess Diana a couple of years ago, which I haven't... Did you see it? I apparently was very good. It's more the fact that it's American. You know what I mean? I don't mm. know how they feel about the royal family over there. I think they're quite fascinated by the story of the royals and everything. But Australians, it's more ingrained in our history and our culture. Mm. It just seems a strange choice to get an American. Yeah, fair. It's disappointing that these filmmakers can't uh, lean on the talent pool of British actresses for this. I'm, I'm with you on that one. I think there are some roles that can be excused and, you know, other nationalities can portray them and hopefully now the accent. But, yeah, I feel like if you're going to do a Diana film, you should really have British representation there. And Peter Jackson's visual effects company, Weta Digital, is launching an animation division. This is a game changer. Peter mm. Jackson is such an innovative filmmaker and Weta Digital, like, broke all kinds of new ground when they did Lord of the Rings, Mm. The Hobbit, lots of other movies in New Zealand and abroad. So this is big news. Yeah. Where did digital establish themselves as the modern day industrial light and magic? Mm -hmm. You know, they kind of broke new ground with Gollum and and King Kong and they've... Also the crowd technology. Yes. Which was the first of its kind used in the Lord of the Rings for battle scenes and things. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, there's some great insight into that crowd technology if you watch the special features of The Lord of the Rings. <laughs> yep. so we're on the same page there. Yeah, no, this is fantastic. And when you read this, you're thinking, why hasn't this already happened, right? It's, that's not what you felt. I thought, oh, this is a perfect space for them to explore creatively. 
Well, maybe they've been working on it. I mean, they have been quite quiet over recent years, just working in the background of some films, but not really doing headline Peter Jackson films. So yeah. I'm really excited to see what they come up with. Yeah, me too. Me too. And speaking of Peter Jackson and The Lord of the Rings, Ian Holm has passed away. Yes, Ian uh, Holm passed away, aged 88, due to an illness related to Parkinson's. I'm really upset about this. I watched Josh Gad's Reunited Apart on YouTube a couple of weeks ago, and unfortunately Ian Holm wasn't there. He did send a note, and obviously now we see that he was quite unwell, and that's why he wasn't there. So yeah. that's really sad. So just for those who don't know, Ian played Bilbo Baggins in mm-hmm. the Lord of the Rings trilogy. He also, he starred in Chariots of Fire and Alien and had a very prominent, respected stage career. Well, a bit of a downer, I guess, <laughs> to end the podcast this week, but, you know, important news to share that you can, it, it's, I always love, you know, the sentiment that surrounds a, an actor or someone in the arts who passes away because then it encourages you to go back and explore their, their filmography mm. and their back catalogue of work and really appreciate and respect um, what they've contributed to the arts and, and film over the years. And I think Ian is definitely one to go back and, and check out the archives and, and see the incredible work he's done over the last few decades. Definitely, definitely do that. And that's it for Popcorn Podcast this week. So thank you for listening. And catch you next time. up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week kiki palmer here and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free hello fresh jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi now that's music to my mouth hello fresh let's get this dinner party started discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.